Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 64 of the 167 podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church, as always with my good friend, our media pastor, Josh Harrell. Hello, Joshua. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? (laughs) 64 times. Oh, my goodness. It's going very well. It's going very well. Today is the beginning of Lent. Yes. We're recording on Ash Wednesday. Mm -hmm. We are. So, yeah, when you guys hear this, it'll be the next day. But um, I always like this season. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. So, do you take, do you do any of the, I'm not going to do this during Lent? No. Since you've been a Methodist, I know you didn't even know about it probably before you were even a Methodist, or part of the Methodist church. No, because <clears throat> the whole thing about giving something up is when you would do that, you go into a time of prayer, correct? Like, that's <laughs> yeah, the right. purpose of it, right? Like, I'm, you're praying that you're sad that you had to give up Taco Bell? Yeah, for... something like that. <laughs> no, right. I, I'm, I just usually use the time of Lent to try to be intentional about yep. prayer time. Yeah. Like, there there's an alarm on my phone for it mm-hmm. where normally like I'll be good through Lent and then after Easter I'll just get busy and then mm-hmm. I'll end up just deleting the alarm. So mm-hmm. it, it's a time for me to refocus. Gotcha. What about I, you? I will sometimes um, like not drink Coke or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I usually add things on like, um, I mean, it's not like some holy thing, but like I, I, I love, like, classic rock and country music and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but I only listen to worship music during Lent. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the mornings, sometimes, not all the time, um, get up and go and walk and pray and walk through the neighborhood mm. and pray. And so, okay. so I'd, like to, I, I'd like to do some additional practices, spiritual mm-hmm. disciplines. Okay. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot then. Yep. What's your favorite worship songs right now? Um, well, you could ask me that at any point, and my answer will be, I don't remember names of songs mm-hmm. or who sings them. Okay, so sing it for us. That is a no. <laughs> um, but no, I I, listen, I mean, I really love We the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it, just about all their stuff. There's a, there's a, a group of people, a collective called People in Songs. I yeah. really like them. They're kind of soulful. soulful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also like some old school stuff. There's this a cappella group. <laughs> called um glad and i don't i don't think i know i think i first like i got a cassette from some friends of mine that when i first became a believer and and it's like i mean yeah dude i love it but it's it's one of those things that like just takes me back to like yeah those first days of being a believer so like my the music that hits hardest in my truck Mm -hmm. is david crowder Mm. and jars of clay yeah, I was listening to Third Day the other day. Oh, Third Day's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Man, so I, I've been, those three groups put on some of the best concerts I've ever seen, no matter yeah. of genre. Who's the lead singer of Third Day? Uh, I don't know, he well, has a beard. He, um, he was, uh, yeah. He had a beard before beards were cool. Mark something, I don't know. Anyway, but he, we went and saw Zach Williams in concert last year. Mm-hmm. And um, he, they they were all on tour together, so it was oh, okay. really cool. He did yeah. some of his songs, but. Speaking of songs, we're going to be doing a series coming up after Easter um, on 
uh, worship songs, yeah. hymns and worship songs. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited that, about that'll that. be exciting. Yeah, it'll be really good. So um, with Lent, um, now we definitely have some important uh, disaffiliation news. So we've been talking about the last two weeks. Um, but we'll get to that. And we'll have some updates on that we want to share with you. But before we do that, I, I think it's imperative for us to keep the focus on Jesus yes. and on Lent. Yes. Um, so with that, um, we ha- I couldn't remember if this is our second or third Ash Wednesday. Third. It's our third. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because with COVID, I just don't know. Yeah. You know, we, we launched in July of 2019, and then eight months later, we had to close our physical doors we Mm -hmm. still had our online doors open praise the lord um and so there was just a lot of things like some we didn't do some things and we didn't so we didn't have our our first easter here until 2020 right because our first easter was 2021 because our first easter oh that's right it would have been our first easter was online it was 2020 online yes yes now but here's the kicker we started lent in 2020 in person yeah we did ash wednesday was our first, was our last thing that we did outside of maybe one or two sundays yeah i think like march COVID 14th started. was our last service yeah. or something and then and then everybody's world changed yep Mm-mm-mm. so um one of the things i think that is really important and is cool i think that is this um so we're in lent when you hear this episode we will have had our ash wednesday service already and what i love josh is that every year we and i'm talking about myself and and the rest of you guys on staff we need to make sure we tell our people what lent is and what ash wednesday is because we have new people Mm-hmm. And we have people who come from backgrounds where they didn't celebrate this. And it's not that by celebrating Ash Wednesday or you know having ashes put on your forehead or by um, practicing some spiritual disciplines during Lent, it doesn't make you holier. It doesn't make you, you know, anything like you've risen to a new level of something or whatever. It's not that. Um, but I think it's just really cool that we have this opportunity to recognize and celebrate um and celebrate in a in a contemplative way yeah um what it is that christ has done for us and Mm -hmm. so but again i just think it's i love the fact that we have to explain this every year Mm -hmm. Um, i mean i'm still learning i'm yeah like i mean the joke is that uh last year was when i realized and it wasn't last year was (laughs) when i realized it was spelled l-e-n-t instead of (laughs) l-i-n-t not the stuff in your belly button right yeah 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 so real quick, I did want to just, what is Lent? Uh, as you said, it's spelled L-E-N-T, which it comes from this Anglo-Saxon word, um, lengthen, L-E-N-C-T-E-N, and it means lengthen. Mm. And, uh, and it refers to how there's more daylight as spring goes. Yeah. So it's the lengthening of days. So that's where they get the word Lent. And um, it is a season of 40 days, and this is one of the things you probably learned in the last couple of years, is that Sundays don't count. Yes. That, so yeah. Ash Wednesday is 40 days before Easter, but if you look at your calendar, you're like, no, it's not. It's more than 40. I don't know the exact number right now. However many Sundays are there. So, um, but Sundays are counted as little, little, Easters. little tiny mini Easters, because we get together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So... Um, so Lent is these are these 40 days that lead up starting with Ash Wednesday. And what Ash Wednesday does is, is it emphasizes these two themes that I think are, are prevalent throughout 
much of Lent, but especially with Ash Wednesday, it's one is for us to, this is why I said like contemplatively we celebrate because it's not like we just are like, woohoo. It's like this deep, thoughtful process of going, okay, I'm a sin, I'm a sinful person. Yes. And um, I am not immortal. I will die. I'm in a body that will not live forever. For us to be reminded of our mortality mm-hmm. and our sinfulness. And, and what that does is it helps us realize um, that, good news, Jesus defeated both of those things through death, through his mm-hmm. death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, by by the atonement that he paid for us, so he he has made atonement for our sins and he's given us eternal life. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. that's what we remember in all of this. It's a it's a refocusing. Yeah, it's a yeah, for sure. Refocusing on reverence. Yeah, and so the ashes that are used on Ash Wednesday are um, usually well, not usually. You make the uh, sign of the cross on the forehead. Sometimes people want to do it on the top of their hand. Um, and it's this symbol that reminds us of this, is this is what mm-hmm. Christ has done for us. And the ashes are actually a very an ancient symbol. In Genesis um, chapter 2, you know, we, we read that God formed human beings out of dust of the earth. He, he right. formed Adam from the dust of the earth. Um, after they were booted out of the Garden of Eden, <laughs> Adam and Eve, um, the first thing that they're told by God in Genesis 3 is, You're, you are from dust, and to dust you will return. Yep. Um, and so, and, and it says dust. Dust and ashes kind of can be interchangeable mm-hmm. um, in, in the wording. So these 40 days represent the time that Jesus also spent in the wilderness where he endured temptation, which is what you and I do our whole lives. I mean, so it was like his experience with the with humanity himself and is that why it's 40 days mm-hmm. yep and so um and it was also the time that he was preparing for ministry right oh, yeah, yeah. so so lent is this time where people often practice well of course it's, it should be about repentance but often people fast um uh, and, and and prepare themselves for and so by fasting it could be it could be food yeah or it could be the removal of something else as you said like to focus on prayer mm-hmm. um, to to focus on those things so so it's not just a, a second chance at a New Year's resolution heck no I mean no I'm not even I'm going to pretend no you can't <laughs> do it it's not possible so like like we've said some people choose to give things up some people take th- something on. Um, and if you are, I mean, I gotta, I gotta confess something. I just have to. So my plan is to not drink Coke during Lent. All right. Mm-hmm. This is water. He's looking at my Chick-fil-A cup. It's water. Well, it was a Coke it cup. It was you last can... night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, uh, Shannon, uh, uh Shannon, <laughs> this is water, but okay. So here's where I've already, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a flawed person. We all are. Because my thought was, okay. Does Ash Wednesday start, does Lent start after the service that we're having tonight? And, of course, Kristen was like, no, it starts in the morning, first thing in the morning. I was like, oh, it's like, so I can't have a Coke for lunch. So I'm trying to work on that right now. Yeah. And then also because of the fact that Sundays are mini Easters. You're going to give yourself have, Coke well, on. Can I? I'm trying to work this out, So, yeah, which well. is like so beyond. This is not the point, Clark. That's what I call myself. So yeah. anyway. Um, but for, for the longest time, I always thought you were making a National Lampoon's reference <laughs> when you were calling yourself Clark. It's not a real not, name, Clark. Not your. Myself. Not your name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would often refer to myself. Yeah, like when I play tennis, I'd call myself Clark. 
Um, in college, I got called Clark forever by everybody because um, the sorority I was in was a very, it was not a large sorority. I mean, it was a small school to begin with. Um, and I want to say there was like 60 of us girls in our chapter. Wow. And there were five Shannons. That Yeah. So that was a popular name around that time. So we were all by our life. Well, I think like the one, the original, Shannon. the oldest Shannon was Gotta Shannon. Got to keep her name. And then the rest of us were our last names. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I was just Clark. So anyway, random. Well, yeah. So back to Lent. We celebrate Lent. <laughs> um it does. It reminds us of our mortality, of our sinfulness, and that should lead us to the cross and ultimately the empty tomb mm-hmm. on Sunday morning yeah. where Jesus is alive and we are welcomed into that new life with him as well. So, now, which, yeah. Now, yeah. on the like the liturgical calendar, mm-hmm. you know, we don't necessarily follow that with our preaching, Mm-mm. but in the liturgical calendar, like during Lent, they're not preaching about the crucifixion per se, correct? No, they don't talk about the crucifixion. They don't talk about that until, until Easter. Yeah. So, well, Good Friday. Yeah, so they're talking more <laughs> about um, the, the ministry and life of Christ yes. during Lent, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then up until then, we've been in like the preparation of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you look at the suggested readings, the lectionary stuff, um, which not just United Methodists, I mean, Catholics and others, Episcopalians. Um, Many others um, would use like a lectionary type, which basically takes you through much of the scriptures throughout the year. You know, you Mm -hmm. get a psalm, an Old Testament reading, um, often a gospel reading and an epistle. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll see during this season where it's it's the ministry of Jesus leading up to um, these moments. So, so yeah, Easter it's coming. Yeah, but there is something that happens in between, and um, and I think that's really beautiful, and and for us not to gloss over it mm-hmm. you know uh, which i think is really i <laughs> it's always important but i think especially um during this time that we are in in the life and short history of the porch community church mm-hmm. i think this is also very important yeah um because we could easily be focused on the the all the bureaucracy <laughs> <laughs> um, nature of, of our disaffiliation that we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, and very easily lose sight of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, then what's the point? Yeah. Like, wh- why even bother? Um, and, and because I would say losing sight of the gospel, Josh, is the very reason that we are having conversations about disaffiliation mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, what What we've seen... Uh, what we've read, mostly read, because, you know, we don't see it necessarily right here in Valdosta mm-hmm. um, or in this region or even really in our conference, which, you know, I get that. But in the denomination itself, what we understand and see and read is evidence of um, conferences, of agencies of the church, um, pastors, bishops, you know, we've talked about this, yeah, yeah. who take have removed the focus from the salvific work of Jesus. Salvific. There you go. Okay. That, that's, that cost me some money. Was that on your word of the day? To- that was my seminary. That was a seminary word. Seminary word? Those, I have some expensive words. Word of the day words. calendar? Yeah, yeah. So, but, but it does. It takes the focus off of the salvific work of Jesus. And the salvific work of Jesus for humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead, it just puts the focus on humanity. Yeah. 
and which I'll, we'll talk about that more in a moment. Um, mm-hmm. But before we jump into that, I want to give you an update. Uh, okay. Not necessarily you. You know what's up. I do. Here's the latest. Um, I would love to give you most definitive, just for sure, news at this moment, but I can't. But I'm almost really, really certain. <laughs> I should be a newscaster. Well, by the time this is out, it's probably... Maybe. It, unless you're listening to it first thing in the morning. It, yeah. It, look this afternoon. Yeah. It, there should be a definite Maybe. out. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's the deal. Some of you all will be like, I know this. Some of you will be catching up. Here's the deal. General Conference, okay? That is... It's the only authoritative body of, of, of United Methodists that can... Um, and it's made up of delegates who come and, and vote, and those delegates represent a bunch of different people. So they're the only ones who can make changes to our governing rules, the only group, and they must meet to approve any rules or proposals or resolutions that are brought before them. And um, there was a provision that was put together for churches and annual conferences, regardless of what they believed or where you, you know, you could put a label on them, like put a label of conservative on them or traditional or a centrist where it's kind of like, we just want everyone to be together and get along or the other way the progressive, you know, liberal, um, regardless of the, of where they were on that, on that spectrum, there was a a provision made or put together for churches and annual conferences and, and, and clergy to part ways without having to endure financial hardship for the mm-hmm. churches yeah. and in some cases i mean like re- serious financial hardship mm-hmm. so at general conference where this could happen general conference 20 shut down for covid right move to 2021 shut down shut down for covid last week there is a commission on general conference that makes a determination of are we going to meet where are we going to meet they handle all the details of it happening and all that stuff booking things and all that um, they're the group that determines all this. They said they would announce. They met for three and a half hours in a closed session. They got out of the closed session. This was, um, I don't remember the date of last Thursday. Um, but they said that within a week, they would let everyone know their decision. Which. Um, I don't know why it takes a week. <laughs> so as of this recording, March 2nd, there has been no official announcement. But it is widely assumed that GC general conference will not happen in 2022 and it will be moved to 2024. Yeah. Because 2024 is the next actual general conference mm-hmm. that's like planned the quadrennium. Yeah. There, like you know? like it was so, on the calendar before right, COVID happened. Right. Cause these are all, and so they're like, we're not going to do one in 23 and turn around and do 24. I mean, that doesn't make sense. So, the, so most likely it is going to be two years from now before that can even be voted upon. Mm-hmm this provision that allows churches that because of where they find themselves on the spectrum, I mean, I'm talking all churches. Yep. From um, the most traditional to the most liberal. Right. To be able to say, we're going to go and form a new denomination or remain in the, what they're calling the post-separation United Methodist Church. That's a long name to put on a pen. Yeah. It's like little, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and do so without a, a financial burden on the church. Right. Um, or a denomination, or, I mean, excuse me, or a conference or whatever. Um, basically, people can go and, and funds are not having to move and they can just keep doing their ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's, it still hasn't happened, right? So, um, 
what I, I guess I could say this I can promise you that things will and have changed it what was meant to happen in 2020 mm-hmm. to, to be discussed and approved the provision it's called the protocol right protocol of reconciliation reconciliation and grace through separation boo 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 protocol um, what was what was put together there I can again I'm not definitively but <laughs> I can almost promise you <laughs> that that protocol in the way it is written and formulated right now will not be what it is in 2024. It no, won't. no way. It will be changed. It will be amended. It will be, um, uh, there'll be questions. There'll be rulings. There will be point of order on the, I mean, there'll be all Which sorts of things. Which is the due process for it documents is, it like is. that. Um, but if people are holding out hope for the protocol as it is right now to be as it is right now in 2024, so then they can move forward I, I think that's a pipe dream. It yeah yeah it's not it's not um it's not realistic. Yeah. So which the lack of announcement about General Conference 2022, I would say this, it's all the announcement that we need. Like yeah. why not just come right out of that meeting and go it's on. We need to start getting invitations to people for their visas that are internationals mm-hmm. so that they can get here to the states, which is where it's going to be held this year, where yeah, it's supposed I, to be held. I would have walked out with my phone typing. Yeah, I mean, those people are out. sworn to secrecy, I'm sure. I mean, but already. No, no, no. Like, if it, oh, like yeah. if, if, if it was, I was on? in the. Yeah, if it was on, I would have yeah. put it out three seconds after I walked out of yeah, the room. Yeah. And of course, you know, people talk to people and then they talk to other people. And so, you know. By the end of that day, when it was like, we're not going to say anything, you know, I'm, I'm reading, hearing things like, hey, I talked to a buddy that talked to a buddy, who, you know, who's related to a buddy yeah. that so, is in that room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and his name is Guy. <laughs> so with that, like I said, the lack of announcement, I think it's all the announcement we need to know that it's not happening. So l- real quick, I wanted to just touch on these and maybe no one even cares but I'll do it anyway. Um, why is why the delay in announcing? That's one question, right? Why mm-hmm. delay announcing? Whether it's yes or no, why delay? And you know, like, what's a good reason for this? And I have thought and thought and thought about this, Josh, and I can't find one. I I can't find a helpful reason for those who are frustrated with the system and want to change it. Yeah. I can I can find I can think of several air quotes here helpful reasons that conferences and bishops and cabinets and others who are financially dependent upon the current system. It gives them to a delay. week. It gives them a week to get their ducks in a row. A week. It gives them. Well, no. Two years. <laughs> what when when they officially announce? Well, yeah, that's, no, but that's, I'm yeah. That, that's when it's going to hit the fan for a lot of churches that haven't even been talking about it. Right? Sure. Right. So, the, yeah, they like, gave them a week to basically mm-hmm. put put their stuff together so they can start. Yeah, but it does give them two years, even so, to not have to change anything. Not not really, because of the way the dis- disaffiliation policy is written from the 2019 general conference. Yeah, but that comes with money, and there are a lot of churches that cannot afford to disaffiliate. They cannot. Yeah. Small churches and big churches, they do not have the money nor and and some just they do not feel like it is the best use of 
their funds. And I, so, yeah. And, and I think that's a, I hear that point. Um, I would want to counter that with, um, I think once you move beyond the process of disaffiliation, then, then you have those funds mm-hmm. that you would have been sending in that now you have those to, to do so. I but, mean, I, I would be, um, I would use the point that, Pray about it, and if it's God's will for you to disaffiliate, He'll make the money available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just—I mean, that's just the way it is. It it is. Um, I think, you know, the other issue that you find is you might have a, a clergy person who feels one way, but a, denom- a, a congregation that doesn't, or and vice versa. Well, you brought because you, you brought up the point that it was available. It was available for churches and clergy. Mm-hmm. So, is there like? Let's say, is there an option for a pastor that wants out yeah. besides just quitting their job and turning in mm, their credentials? Yeah, maybe I maybe I misspoke in that regard. If the protocol passes, mm-hmm. right, yes, that clergy person can. So if the protocol passes, then annual conferences will have the option to say, we're staying or we're going. Mm-hmm. We're going Global Methodist. Um, and then clergy and then the the clergy that are in particular churches if they're not going in the same direction with their church then that clergy person has to declare and you know go through whatever process needed to say i'm going to align with this denomination Mm -hmm. and then and then the gmc is i don't know if they've officially stated but they're going to recognize the ordination Mm -hmm. from a umc i don't know if that's beneficial or not no, uh, yeah, it's beneficial okay. to not have to go through a whole other process. Yeah. So, um, so th- these um, here's what delay does. Delay pushes everyone um, in the United Methodist Church currently who are even considering disaffiliation. It pushes them closer to the December 31st, 2023 deadline of this disaffiliation window. Okay? So protocol disaffiliation, two different things. The protocol would allow churches and annual conferences to go without uh, financial penalty or cost. The disaffiliation is, hey, look, we don't agree with, and we're going to talk about uh, specifically paragraph 2553 in a moment, but the, the disaffiliation is like, we don't agree with paragraph 2553 for different reasons. And this was a window opened up at the special conference in 20, uh, general conference in 2019 that allowed churches who were just done to go ahead and move on. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. there's that window, and it's open until December 31st, 2023. And remember what I said, general conference most likely is not happening until 2024. Now, there are resolutions and things that have been put out there to ask for that window to be extended until general conference meets. Right. But those are not guaranteed. Right. And the only one that can vote on that is general conference, correct? On the protocol? On the disaffiliation thing that was enacted in 2019. Yes. Yes. Okay. A judicial council can rule on it whether they think it's consti- or they say it's constitutional or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the general conference has to make whatever changes need to be made according to yeah. that. So. Because the way the language is written, that whole that paragraph disappears mm-hmm. out of the book of discipline. It's gone, yeah. December 31st. Like vanishing ink. Which I think is weird that it waits until December 31st to disappear because... you got to do stuff in June. Get, yeah, <laughs> if you don't have it done in April, it doesn't matter. So like it, the mm-hmm. existing of... But after 
annual conference. I guess other annual conferences happen later in the year. They do. And, like, we've got a special one, a special annual conference called for August, and maybe even possibly there's going to be one in October. Who knows? But that doesn't matter by the way the, mm-hmm. the disaffiliation policy is written. If your stuff isn't in by April 1st. Well, but, the, the, yes, right now it's April 1st uh-huh. for the June annual conference. That's yeah. in our annual conference. So who... who there is there is um, some stuff out there saying, hey, can we have another annual conference in August and allow uh, people to start the process now uh, t- so that they could disaffiliate in August? But, but that's but that would require changing the dis- disaffiliation policy to allow that because it says you have to have your stuff in. The conference can change it. The conference can change that. Our own that because that's our own dates and policies. Yeah. Okay. Now the December thirty first, twenty twenty three. Mm-hmm. Date is a general conference date. Gotcha. We can't change that, mm-hmm. but we can change in like how the annual conference carries out through. this process through that point. Okay, gotcha. Right. right. Woo. So, so that's one thing is delay pushes um, churches who are even considering disaffiliation or who are holding out hope for a general conference. It pushes them closer and closer, closer to that ledge of twenty. Uh, December 31st, 2023, when that window closes to disaffiliate with financial cost. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what else delay does. It also, it keeps the protocol from being voted upon at general conference. Yep. It pushes it back. Yep. Um, and so it pushes back the opportunity for people to leave with no financial cost for people. I mean, churches. Um, delay removes and, and so i would say that what happened is is delay removes options for churches who cannot in good conscience continue to affiliate with a denomination that seems more and more universalist than united mm. that would be changing the u and you <laughs> Mm-hmm. yes it would um but I, I, yeah i mean i think because for us, that is the whole issue, right. is the inaction and the um, mm-hmm. t- taking the sovereignty of God away, basically. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a just a really um, mixed up theology mm-hmm. is, is the simplest way I could say that. Um, so here's here's what I was thinking about this morning. Best case scenario for the United Methodist Church is that we will split. Worst case scenario is that we will splinter into mm. a thousand pieces. Well, and, and that seems and, to push to 2024 seems like that's more yes, and more likely. Yes. And and some might say, well, Shannon, you guys are talking about disaffiliating now, so you're splintering. And yeah, we are. And I think others will uh, choose to at least have the conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't voted but, or anything yet, so it's not a done deal. But that is the way our leadership and our conversations have gone yeah. thus far. Is we are moving in that direction to to bring it to the congregation to vote. I mean, you know? I I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, Jesus is worth fighting for. Denomination is not. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Like I'll fight all day for the sovereignty of God, but I will not fight to keep a. Uh, a denomination together that doesn't uh, yeah. back up the sovereignty of God. Like unequivocally, like just without any. Yeah. Yeah. No, no remorse. Like. Yeah. And it, s- if you're, it's, it's almost like if you're not going to play by God's rules, I'm going to take, I'm going to take my ball and go to another sandbox, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I yeah, mean, I do know. And I do know. Be, 
And it's because, you know, we've chosen to work at a church. Like, our convictions mm-hmm. are more important mm-hmm. than, I'm not saying anybody else's, but more important than um, the standards of a business that we could work for. Sure. For sure. Like, if because we work for mm-hmm. a church that is centered on Jesus, if it becomes not that, then why, then why are we here? Yeah. We should move, we should move on because of our convictions would tell us to. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you, and you would tell anyone that was in a church to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, I, listen, even we're on episode 64, episode 62 has made its rounds. Yeah. It, a lot it, of people have listened to it's it. It's easily our most listened podcast right and now. i mean i'm hearing from people i haven't heard from a long time people i went to seminary with yeah. um, i'm hearing second and third hand of people who listen to our podcast and some are like rock and roll that's awesome and others are like Me. yeah um and 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 even Wish you hadn't said that even so yeah. the, what some of the other things i'm hearing i'm hearing about you know the um impression that is being given of us and some of our other sister churches who are making decisions as well that we are we're jumping ship um too soon um that we're not thinking about the larger group i've heard people say that i mean i've heard false stuff you know like that we owe a whole bunch of extra money to the conference when we don't we don't um Mm -hmm. uh what else i mean and so you kind of get into this whole like it, it People make it personal and all that really, really quickly, and, and that's kind of ugly. Yeah. But it's just, it's what it is. And so when I say split or splinter, um, I think the splintering is upon us. Yeah. Here's how quickly things change. Just three weeks ago, there were somewhat viable, three viable options on the table for the United Methodist Church, right? Option one was, hey, the protocol passes. Let's go. Annual conference. Let's go. Everyone, let's do your thing. Trust clause waived. We can get out. No money paid. Option two, disaffiliation, using the paragraph 2553 for an individual church to leave. you got to pay some apportionments and liabilities, um, but then you're out of the trust clause. Or option three, which was general conference doesn't meet, so the protocol is not an option, but maybe the whole annual conference can go ahead and go. Um Here's the deal. Option one is all but certain to be off the table because there is a delay from the Commission on General Conference from even announcing their decision. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that so, you, know, yeah, yeah. you delay the decision. Of, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. So option three, the entire annual conference leaves. It is technically still on the table, but there is so much they don't behind even know, it. They don't even know if that's legal to do right, right they now. They have asked. They've requested a declaratory decision and... Um, who knows when they'll even hear hear about that? Yeah. Um, so I, I would say, you know, almost zero assurance that a decision or a ruling will be made in a timely manner for churches who feel that clock ticking. You know. Yeah. So so option one and three are pretty much extremely unlikely to happen. So here we are with option two, disaffiliation, pay the fees, um, exit the denomination, which is where we find ourselves right now as the Porch Community Church. Uh, last night, March 1st, we met with our district superintendent, and uh, we, we, we uh, our ministry board, community group leaders, and serve team leaders, which is the, the group we felt was our, 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 our core invested leadership. I mean, I was looking around the room, and this is what I love, is every single person in there is invested in the church. Mm-hmm. They're not... Wholeheartedly. And I would say 
you know, um, some, some might have not here, but some might have the thought that, okay, I'm on the ministry board. So there's my service. That's not the case. I mean, every single person serves in some way in the life of the church, participates in community groups, those kinds of things Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. in worship, all that. So these people are very invested, um, in, in the life of the church. And so we met with our district superintendent and, um, we had a, I mean, I guess we kind of had a conversation. I, more, it was just kind of walking us through the list of what needs to happen yeah. to lead us up to um, to a vote. Yeah. Um, but we reiterated our desire uh, mm-hmm. to disaffiliate in June of 2022. And so w- once that happens, then a date is set for a vote. So I'm happy to report here first. Drum roll. No, I'm not. Do we have a like a news update? We just did. Yeah, there you go. Um, that the Porch Community Church Ministry Partners, because that's who this this is who it comes to. It doesn't 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 rest with a leadership a ministry board or a leadership group. It rests with the Porch Community Church Ministry Partners. That on March 23rd, Wednesday, March 23rd at 6 p.m., we will be voting on whether or not to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. Boom. So, Wednesday, March 23rd, 6 p.m., go ahead and arrange your schedules now. Mark your calendars. If you are a ministry partner of the Porch Community Church, you need to be there. Yes. And I would say, because we've had a couple of questions. And I don't care which way you feel about the disaffiliation. Exactly. You need to be there. Because that is the only way your voice is going to get heard. That's right. Rock the vote. Um... And I would say this because it's come up a few times. Uh, no, there's no mail-in ballots. Um, nope. No if proxy. you're out of the country or out of town or whatever, we're sorry. There's no uh, someone else can't vote in your place, or you know, you them bring your your. You piece can't of give paper. a proxy. Yeah. You can't give someone. So you've got to be present. And how that vote works is all ministry partners present. Mm-hmm. So there's no uh, minimum number. Um, all ministry partners present, but let's show up. Yeah. Uh, and two thirds majority vote. Yep. So two thirds majority vote. However, the two thirds um, vote is how the church will proceed. Mm-hmm. And no matter what way it is, the church leadership backs the church. Yes. Yes, for sure. That is definitely true. And so, um, so from act, so from this, from today forward, because now we have a date and we know when this is going to happen. We are going to spend, because this is the next question on the board, it, or on, and I say the board, not the ministry board, I mean like on the table. Um, we need to spend the next few months, and I'm going to be putting together some study groups um, of like three people each to look at what could be our viable options going forward if the vote were to be in the affirmative, yes, we want to disaffiliate. Yes. Um, and so I'm going to put together a few study groups to look at some different options because that's the next conversation to have. But we want to get through this part first and then and then focus on the next. But we're going to start the work now mm-hmm. so that when that time comes, we're able to kind of just shift gears into the next. Yes. So here's the deal. And I said we were going to go into what paragraph 2553 says because that is the actual paragraph in our book of discipline which allows churches to disaffiliate um because and and let me say because there's a presenting issue josh and then there is a 
um, like a symptomatic issue, and then there's actually what is causing the symptom, you know? Yeah. So, uh, for an example, um, you start limping just a little bit. Yeah. And then the limp increases, and it increases, and increases. And it starts to get to the point like it's really, you know, noticeable and 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 you know it's bothering you mm-hmm. and you go to the doctor and you say doctor i'm i'm limping like something's up and the doctor says okay well let's mm, let's get you a new pair of shoes okay go, go get some shoes mm-hmm. okay so you do the shoes but you keep limping yeah okay um okay i'm here sit on this cushion you know maybe that'll help you know try that limp is still there um, you try some things like some, some, you know, Hey, take, take some Aleve or Advil or whatever, you know, maybe the limp will suddenly go away, but no, the limp is there. All right. Um, you know, you could try a lot of things, but what you end up finding out is that you've got a couple of discs in your back that are just like obliterated mm-hmm. and it's actually a back issue Not a that's leg causing issue. A, a, a leg issue, you know, mm-hmm. a hip and all those things down. So, so you find out that the back is blown, right? Do you keep on trying to buy new shoes? No. Do you keep on sitting on a cushion? Maybe. I I mean, mean, it might make you feel better for a little while, but like, is that the only source of, of alleviating those problems? No. No, you're going to fix the back. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. I liken that to what we're dealing with now. Of course, Jimmy Towson did a fantastic job when he came and spoke and spoke everywhere of that image of an iceberg. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see the little bit that is out of the water, but beneath it is just a huge, I mean, like what we think is a giant iceberg above the water, you're talking 10, 20 times larger underneath the water. Mm -hmm. And that's to me the same thing of, okay, there's a, you got a little limp, that you see, everyone notices that. No one can see that your discs are just shot. Like, they don't know that they're just... They had to inspect to find it. Exactly. And and I would say, so, okay, this, a symptom of your bad back is a limp. Mm-hmm. But let's not just focus on the limp. Mm-hmm. And I think paragraph 2553, even though it makes a way possible for us, it it's focusing on a symptom. It's focusing on a limp. It's focusing on the tip of the iceberg. And not the larger issues. And I want to make that so very clear. I mm. thought my husband, even though he... He did a fantastic I, I, job. I loved the fact that he spoke passionately, but very well last night at, at this meeting with our district superintendent saying, it is imperative that, that people know we're not, we're, that we're not um, focusing on a symptom or the tip of an iceberg or... Um, one small item that this is a much deeper deeper issue mm-hmm. it's a theology it, issue it's it's totally is so yes the presenting issue that is brought up in paragraph 2553 is about human sexuality mm-hmm. no doubt about it you can't mince those words at no, all it's, it's right there and i i would almost say that so much so that the wording and and I don't have proof on this, and I don't know, but oh, it was purposeful. To, to me, it seems like the wording is used in this paragraph of our book of discipline. Yes, it allows churches to disaffiliate from the denomination, but it almost seems to restrict. Like it almost makes people go, "Whoa, hold on a minute." 
No, that's not, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that. So let's look at the paragraph for a minute. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So paragraph 2553, I'm going to read a little bit and talk a little bit, ask questions or whatever. Um, so it starts by this. So this is, again, this is what was put into our book of discipline that allows churches um, to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. And it says this, because of the current deep conflict within the United Methodist Church around issues of human sexuality. Okay, pause. We have micro and we have macro. Mm-hmm. Okay, that you have micro issues and macro issues. You have the ones that are finite and then you have these large. So the macro issue, issue for some you with a bad back or you with a limp is that really you've got a bad back. Yeah. It's the it's the larger issue. So I don't like this opening statement because it focuses on the the micro and on the symptom. It's not just a conflict about issues of human sexuality. Right. And that tends to be the loudest. Of course it is. But it but then when you when you, the first question you ask is how did it get that bad? Right? <laughs> and then you start looking at it is because foundational mm-hmm. theology is being challenged or ignored. Yep. And I would say so much of that goes back to the seminaries. In regard I mean, to clergy. You, you know sure. better than I do because well, you've I would gone say through that, the seminary system. Well, I would say a lot of it. For clergy, it goes back to the seminaries. And then I think for a lot of congregants, it goes, it's just it, culture. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah, so to, combined, it's it's um pretty crazy. If I, here's where I think that sentence, how that sentence should read. For, for whatever this is worth, which is nothing at all. Um, but so I think to say because of the current deep conflict within the United Methodist Church around issues of human sexuality, to me that's micro. Macro would be something like um, because of the deep conflict within the United Methodist Church on the authority inter- and interpretation of Scripture, period. Yeah. That would have been mm-hmm. where the deep conflict really is that's there's a presenting issue but there is a deeper issue that's the back is is blown like these things are are really wrong well, at a deeper level and it makes me wonder with you know it being that the human sexuality being so loud and apparent at general conferences have they actually had the the opportunity to look past that and actually dig into the the issues of the 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 interpretation of scripture and stuff Mm -hmm. like that because when you say they who are you talking about the people because general conference is the Mm -hmm. only one that can yeah so the delegates the delegates can interpret and rule and do stuff like that and they can shape judicial conferences and bishop and the way bishops are elected and stuff like that but they're not but they haven't been able to get past this one issue to actually start digging deeper into they they've been digging at the limp so long that they haven't (laughs) that they haven't even gone to the back like, yet there's only so many dr shoals yeah that you can wear <laughs> but, but i mean they it's, it's just been so loud and and yeah, at the yeah. forefront that mm-hmm. do they do they see the forest for the trees no no and i wouldn't say i mean i know a lot of i know several people who are general conference delegates mm-hmm. um in this conference and others and um and i'm not saying and, individuals i'm talking about as a whole right so I would say as individuals, yes, mm-hmm. many, many, many have done, and, and that's why they are committed to um, the process and and doing their part as a delegate. Um, you know, our friend Bob Moon, uh, mm-hmm. who we served with um, at Valasta First, 
you know, he has been a delegate for a while, and it was it was excruciating for him. Oh, I, I remember I mean, it, seeing it him take a toll on on his spiritual and mental health. Like, like he really, would, he would sit there. I don't know if they had a sign seating or what, but he would always end up in front of a camera. <laughs> And you could just see, and Bob is one of the happiest yeah. people I've ever met. Yeah, and like you his can body just, language. You could just see how distraught mm-hmm. yep. and the weight he was carrying. Yep. So, okay, here's what it says. Because of the current deep conflict within the United Methodist Church around issues of human sexuality, and then it goes on to say, a local church shall have a limited right, which is this window that we've been talking about, right? of 2023 right a local church shall have a limited right under the provisions of this paragraph to disaffiliate from the denomination so that's the window to disaffiliate until december 2023 now so it goes on to say to disaffiliate for reasons of conscience regarding a change in the requirements and provisions of the book of discipline now, there's there's more coming, but yeah. let me just say this. I, this could have ended right there with a period at the end of that sentence. Because of a reasons of conscience regarding a change in the requirements and provisions of the Book of Discipline, period, the end. That would be wonderful, but it didn't. <laughs> there have been for decades, and increasingly so, groups who come to General Conference with the agenda of changing the current requirements and provisions of the book of discipline. And so this is what the book of discipline currently states. And this is what many have been trying to change for years. It's paragraph four of the book of discipline. It reads the United Methodist church acknowledges that all persons are of sacred worth. All persons without regard to race, color, national origin status or economic condition shall be eligible to attend its worship services participate in its programs receive the sacraments upon baptism be admitted as baptized members and upon taking vows declaring the christian faith become professing members in any local church in the connection all right that's our current language so why who wants that changed and why? Um, progressives want that changed. Um, they want it to include um, issues of sexuality or uh, statements of sexuality, not issues, statements of sexuality. There's nothing in there currently of sexuality. Uh, but I would have to say, and I know I'm going to sound like people are going to be like, oh, but so Josh, when I mention these um these next things. Mm-hmm. Are you a person of race? Yes. Are you a person that has a color? Yes. Are you a person of a national origin? Yes. Do you have a status? Yes. Uh, do what, you have... What is a status? Um, like a like citizenship a, status? No, more like a... Um, like a class? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, are you part of a... Do you have an economic condition? Yeah, and it's a bad one. <laughs> so... Did any of those like does does that leave anybody off the table? I mean, me as a male white guy. So race. Yep. Okay. Yeah. No, it Color. does. It doesn't leave anybody out. Okay, it doesn't leave anyone out. That's the point. Period. Right. Okay. So that's... period. End of story. Right. No one is left out. Why does sexuality have to be added there when this is so in 
all encompassing. Right. Right. And and all inclusive. Well, I, progressives would take issue with the statement that that all persons are of sacred worth if they are not being if homosexuality and other other issues of human sexuality are not um, uh, allowed or upheld or uh, promoted or um, endorsed, um, that that's where that comes down to. So here, yeah, go ahead. Nope, nope, not not okay. going down. Okay. So at at the 2019 general conference in St. Louis, remember Jimmy talked about that, yeah. where people were just acting crazy. Yeah, you remember Anytime that. Anytime a conservative vote went yeah. uh, well, that. People would lose their minds. You remember in a that guy that way? Hop, hopped in hogtied? No. Yeah, like the guy that when when something passed, the guy like hopped in and he was like hogtied and then like fell in front of the like. Was the that stage. the point to say that they he was hogtied? Yeah. Oh wow, I get it now. I I didn't know about that. I didn't yeah, know. yeah. So at the 2019 general conference, it was especially called general conference to hopefully. Bring all this stuff to an end. <laughs> it only just began. Um, progressives hope to change the wording of that paragraph I just read to you, but by a slim margin. Okay, here was the margin. Only It was 438 votes for keeping the language as it was and 384 votes against. And so the, the traditional plan... Um, that doesn't change the wording and actually in, it strengthens enforcement of the wording because that's another problem. Um, it passed. So, okay, here's what paragraph, um, say this again, 2553, a local church shall have a limited right under the provisions of this paragraph to disaffiliate from the denominations for reasons of conscience regarding a change in the requirements and provisions of the Book of Discipline related to the practice of homosexuality or the ordination or marriage of self-avowed practicing homosexuals as resolved and adopted by the 2019 General Conference or the actions or inactions of its annual conference related to these issues. So again, I think this wording was written in such a way as to keep churches from implementing the disaffiliation process yep. to stop them and make them go, hold on a minute. Um, I think paragraph 2553 in many ways addresses a micro symptom when there, there is a, a macro, there, there's more. There is, there's the top of the iceberg and there's what's beneath it. And there is the issue of the authority of scripture and the virgin birth. And did the resurrection really happen? And, and is Christ divine? Um, is the Holy Trinity, the three persons of God, is, is, is that real? Um, do we need confession and repentance? Like, is the crucifixion too offensive for us? Like, all of these things, people go, oh, no, you're making a, you're, you're, you're taking one person who said one thing and make it a big deal. No, it's not one person, and it is a big deal, and it's increasing, Josh. Yeah, it is. It's increasing. And so the paragraph is there. Um, when we meet on Wednesday, March 23rd, to vote very likely on our ballot, this paragraph will be there. And so I want to make sure that our ministry partners know what's really beneath that. Mm -hmm. that yes, there's a paragraph, but it was written by human beings mm 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, imperfect human beings who I, I made an effort to, to make this really clear about why a church wants to go, but there is a deeper issue and it just didn't get put in the writing. And I wish it did because I think so much of the, the, the chatter and arguing and issues would be lessened. I think Mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just being optimistic on that one, but I do want to say this, all right, about paragraph 2553. I think, I think this is really very important and you will hear me talk about this more on, on behalf of, um, the, the porch community church staff on behalf of the ministry board, on behalf of the other leaders who we currently are in these conversations, um, even as, like I said, my husband made really clear, compassionate speech last night that the Porch Community Church, please hear me, the Porch Community Church is not pursuing disaffiliation from the United Methodist Church because we do not care for or because we don't love or because we do not desire for all persons, no matter what, to be welcomed and discipled and nurtured in our church. This is not an exclusive decision. I would say resoundingly that last night, the, the ministry board and, and community group leaders and serve team leaders agreed and repeated. I mean, I heard it several times. You did too, that mm-hmm. all persons are of sacred worth. All persons are in the need, uh, in need of grace and salvation uh, made possible only through Jesus Christ. And that Jesus calls all persons to repentance and a life of sanctification. Yes. And that's what we believe. That's what we understand. And I will repeat that a thousand times as often as possible. So, yes, paragraph 2553 speaks to a micro tip of the iceberg symptom of a macro way underneath, under the water iceberg mm-hmm. um, uh, illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and when you boil it all down, it comes down to three words, uh, three letters and it's sin. Yes. And it's what we all, all, mm-hmm. all struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but oh my goodness gracious. I mean, there was an article that, that those of us on staff were reading last night and some of the people on the board were reading. And I think we were all talking back and forth about it and it was crazy, crazy ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that were said, um, what? Like the article was shared as a here, this will give you insight into um, progressive theology. That was the the article. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> the the stuff that goes against the Bible about human sexuality in that article is almost like the more most tame stuff in that article. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Like. Yep. It, it the fact that those are people saying that they are speak preaching God's words blows my mind Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah pastors um yeah and this is a this article is a from i couldn't say it well (laughs) the whole title name well it's from originally it's from the resource umc yes so this is a united methodist um, published published on their site um and it's called the multifaceted nature of progressive theology I mean, and that in and of itself tells you... Blah, 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 sin. (laughs) 
I mean, and there was some, there were some statements in here and I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Um, I just, I'm trying to find some right now. You think I would have pulled them up and had them ready for this episode, (laughs) but, um, there's just so much that it didn't even make sense. I shared a couple. Yeah, I I can probably pull that up. We were talking about last night. Um, oh, here you go. Let me read TV for radio. Let me say this. Here, Here was one of the, one of the small, I mean, this was a large article. It says, in addition to the criteria set forth in the Book of Discipline, we would argue that progressive theology must, must is the word, must work within the framework of, are you ready for this? Pluralism. Nope. Feminism. Nope. Liberationism. And it probably doesn't mean what someone around here would think liberationism <laughs> means. Post-colonialism. Again, same thing. Queer theology. Ecological and environmental responsibility. And it goes on to say, each provides something of importance for an authentic progressive faith. That's bad, but the one you shared, like, I stopped reading the article when I hit this one, mm-hmm. is when you shared this one is while we, Progressive United Methodists, do have a set of articles of religion, our ever-changing context necessitate that every generation engage its own theological task and rethink God anew. Yeah, nope. You don't get to do that. Nope. We align with Him. We, we our shape ourselves to God. align with Him. He we w- don't try to fit Him in. In, I'm a feminist. I'm going to bring God into feminism. By the way, I'm not a feminist. I just said... Was in what good. other facet of your life can you shape a standard to I mean, yourself? We tr- well, we try a lot. But how often It is often a very it humanistic work? reaction. I mean, it's not just... But... Okay, so... I, no, I mean, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. It's just when you only rely on yourself, this is what we get down to. Yeah. It's like when I work... We the, are the center of our universe. It's just... That's what this is about. It blows my mind mm-hmm. that we're that we think we can ch- not only change and shape God, uh-huh. but we we think we're that powerful. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, we are so finite. Listen to this: um, as Christians, we have to come to terms with the fact that we are not the sole possessors of religious truth and values. There is great value for a progressive theology to be constructed in dialogue with other religious traditions. No. <laughs> as Christians, it starts out as Christians. If you took out the as Christians, I'd be like, go and have as many conversations as you want to have with other religions and what they call truth and what their values are. But you, if you start the sentence with as Christians, then you, you can't, that's not a truthful statement. I mean, you can have conversations with them, but there's no de- De- like there's mm-hmm. no debating truth with mm-hmm. other religions. Yeah, we are truth. Like God is truth. Jesus is truth. If no if ands buts about it, that is end of story. Mm-hmm. And when there's oh yeah, it just it bo- it makes me angry <laughs> because so many people are taking in this lie, and I'm so frustrated mm-hmm. that we've been sending money to this. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and there we, are a lot of and we've been actively churches that and we've been actively been. supporting garbage like not not by actions or anything other than us having to send money to paying apportionments paying yeah. apportionments mm-hmm. but we've actively helped that exist 
Yeah. And resource use UMC. And I would say to people that are saying we're jump we're jumping ship. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you behind us or in front of us? <laughs> I, if yeah. if Jesus is the Lord of your life, why aren't you behind us or in front of us? Yeah. Or having conversations about how you're getting off the boat. Yeah. There there is and I will say to, I think so many people not and I'm not shifting gears here on you purposely because I'm not shifting gears, but uh, so there's the the theological understanding or uh, confusion, if you will, on this, right? And and for many people who feel exactly as you and I do and are like this, you know, why why are we trying to uh, muddy these waters? What? No, dualism. No, no, no. No, all these things. Um, but when the I think people have just been kind of going, you know what? I'm going to just right here in my context, in this town, in this state, in this district, in this conference, I'm going to, we're going to keep doing kingdom work, which I'm, I'm thankful for the faithfulness of people and churches who are doing that. Yes, yes, yes. That's the whole purpose of it all. But I think a lot of them are going in the back of their mind going, man, I really hope that protocol passes because this is getting, yeah. like, we need the protocol. We need yeah. the protocol. And tomorrow when it comes out, that there's not going to be a general conference that's going to vote on a protocol. Conference administrators, treasurers are going to be inundated with churches going, "Hey, what's our disaffiliation fee?" Yeah. What? I'm, yeah. What? What do we owe? I, I what, mean, what are we going to pay? Yeah. I mean, they're going to be slammed tomorrow afternoon. And I heard this from someone. <laughs> if they if they haven't already, which and, I know some have. And I heard this from someone that uh, said that. In this area, none of that's happening. Yep. Yeah. Now. Well, right. And and so, yeah, I agree. There, it's not happening now. But the, in, the same, in the same vein, we want to talk about how connectional we are. Yeah. Well, we're connected to, to this. That. Yeah. That article. We are connected yeah. to that. And so. And I don't believe anything in there. You can't hold up connectionalism and then at the same time say, but that's not going on here. Well, no, it is because we're connected. Yeah. It is because when we when a church says they want to disaffiliate, that one of the rules is we're going to come and take down all the United Methodist um, logos and wordings and images on your church property. Um, because why? Because they're connected. Yeah. And if you're not going to be connected anymore, then you can't have the name. Well, we all share the same name right now. Mm-hmm. And we're not on the same page. You got the same name, not on the same page. Mm-mm. And that's that's the issue. Yeah. So we can talk about whether it's happening in our district or in our conference. It doesn't matter. It's it's happening in United Methodism. That we're saying we're a name. part of. Right. Right. And it's not okay. Right. And I think a whole lot of churches for a very long time have basically done everything they could do to not promote that they are United Methodists. I mean, you go to a whole lot of websites um, to many churches that are flourishing, yeah, uh, conservative churches yeah. that are flourishing, and you would probably be hard-pressed in many cases, especially if they're newer churches, to find anything that says United Methodist. Like us. Oh, yeah, like yeah. us. I'm no. not, I'm not, no. you know, I'll start the point, finger pointing right we, here. We, we Thumbs have, right here. We have one line, and it's on our sign. That's it. Yep, yep, so, yeah. So, wow, um, here's the news again. Uh we are in Lent, and we are mortal people, and we um, are prone to sin, 
and we need a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And this season leading up to Easter is a time for us to be reminded that we are not God and that we are in desperate need of Him. Um, Jesus has paid the price for our sin so that we are not, we're not self-righteous. He, um, he is righteous, um, and we're called into that um, graciously by what he has done for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to celebrate um, the season of Lent in that way. I, I encourage you listeners to contemplate how you can maybe um, set something aside during this time. I, I would ask that you would think about, pray about something you can add on to make this a time of spiritual discipline and, and holiness, pursuing holiness. And um, on March 23rd, we are going to get together on Wednesday, March 23rd. And as a church, we are going to uh, cast um, our votes and, and determine the, the direction of, of where God has us going next. Actually, he'll determine our votes. will let us know that too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, with, there will be much more conversation, much more information yep. coming your way yep. in the days and weeks ahead. So make sure so. you're plugged into our social medias. That will be where you get information first. If you're not in the email group, please email me, josh at theportcc.com, and now we'll make sure you get everything you need. Josh, how do I know if I'm in the email group? Do you get an email weekly? Uh, Nope. Then you're not in the email group. Okay. So email josh <laughs> at theportcc.com, and I will get you in there. Uh, Josh, so they're going to be voting. Um, ministry partners are voting. I think I'm a ministry partner. If you, well, you are, <laughs> well, but I'm, actually, no, I'm not. Well, no, you're not. I am a member of the conference. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a member of the porch. That's weird. I know it's strange. After, so I can't vote on March 23rd. No. Maybe after I'll be there, but I maybe can't after vote. annual conference, you join the church. Maybe that'd be kinda that'd be cool. kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, so, side point: if you're not sure if you are a partner of the Porch Community Church, contact Kristen at Kristen at theporchcc.com. That is K-R-I-S-T-I-N. It's all the, eyes. It is all, all eyes. All the vowels are at eyes. At theporchcc.com. We will gladly help you uh, know your... Your mem- status. Your status. Yeah. I, yeah, because people of all statuses are welcome. Yeah, so. because... Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we will have information coming out about all this stuff lots but more importantly we're going to have a lot of information about jesus coming out yes thank you for saying that and you know the enemy wins more ways in this situation than than just one so we we have to keep jesus the center of this so mark your calendars for march 23rd for the vote be praying but but more importantly mark your calendar for sunday and come worship with your faith community Mm -hmm, for sure because if there's no faith community there's no point in a vote (laughs) <laughs> very true. If very we don't true. care about Jesus, there's no point in, in, in any of this. Very, very true. I agree with that 100%. Um, Porch community, we uh, are thankful for you, and um, we are praying for you, and we appreciate your prayers for those of us on staff and in leadership. And, um, yeah. And a new series starts this Sunday. Yeah, whatever. What, what's the series called? Whatever. Well, fine. If you don't want to tell me, that's fine. (laughs) Whatever. Hey, we'll see you later, Porch community. Thanks for listening. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time. 
more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.